This episode is brought to you by our sponsors and by listeners like you on Patreon. Bomba's vision is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas has designed their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. The Webb family over here has used them, and we love them. They're comfy, fun-looking, and come in family packs, which is awesome. I've never seen that before. I use my Bombas socks when I go on runs, and they're extremely comfortable. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a cozy feel. And the Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and perfect waist so they hang just right. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. Go to bombas.com slash purple rocket and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash purple rocket for 20% off. Bombas.com slash purple rocket. Parents, school's out, summer's here, and the kids are back at home with a lot of free time. Go wild with wonder this summer without school. Enroll in a fun, flexible learning experience with over 140,000 online classes and camps for every kid with any interest. Look, as a fellow parent, I get the pressure of finding something engaging and useful for our kids to do over the summer break. OutSchool can help keep them engaged and their minds stimulating their imaginations firing. They offer every kind of class you can imagine, from entrepreneurship to freestyle dancing to art, even magic lessons. There's something for kids of all ages, grades, and interests. We homeschool in the web house, and we plan to get Aurora and Cohen signed up with some out-school activities to keep them engaged in a fun way and help them explore their talents and maybe discover some new ones. Out-school will have your kids loving to learn and having fun doing it. Head over to outschool.com slash purple rocket and use code purple rocket to learn all about out-school summer programs and save $15 on your child's first class. That's O-U-T-S-C-H-O-O-L dot com slash purple rocket to save $15 on your child's first class. Outschool.com slash purple rocket code purple rocket. And don't forget, parents, supporting our sponsors is a great way to support this podcast. And now, back to our show. The Purple Rocket Podcast presents Life. Episode 13, The Big Fat Fail. Quiet down, quiet down. We need to talk about your final project, Mr. Dalbert said, trying to get his class back under control. The history teacher paced in front of his students, making his blonde mullet flap like a flag behind his neck. Mr. Dalbert was Mikey's favorite teacher. 
And it wasn't just because of his awesome mullet hairdo. It was because he always had the coolest stories about his time as a Navy SEAL, going on top-secret missions that he probably wasn't supposed to be telling them about. He'd sprinkle them into his lessons almost every day, so there was never a dull moment. And now, they were getting to hear about their big final project he'd been hinting at for over a month. Mr. Dalbert folded his arms behind his back like a true soldier. You will be making a diorama of one of the battles we've discussed in class, he announced. Chuck did his token snort laugh in the back of the class. <laughs> Dio what? Diorama. Mr. Dalbert repeated, being sure to enunciate as to avoid any confusion. A diorama is a three-dimensional model representing a scene, in this case a miniature depiction of a battle. A bunch of the kids whispered excitedly to one another, already planning which battle they wanted to depict. Once they were quieted down, Mr. Dalbert split them into pairs so they could work on the project with a partner. When the assignment sheet reached Mikey, he saw that he was paired with Amy Pendleton, which was good because she was smart. Not that in-your-face-I'm-better-than-you smart, but the subtle smart, the kind where she was good at everything but didn't have to make a big stink about it. Let's do the Battle of the Bulge, Amy suggested after class. It was a turning point for the Allied forces in World War II, and it would look really cool as a diorama. Plus, I can tell it's Mr. Dalbert's favorite battle to talk about. He really gets into character when he reenacts it, so he'll be excited to see it. Or he'll just be crazy picky when he grades it, Mikey pointed out. True, but Mr. Dalbert's usually pretty fair. I'm not too worried about it. Mikey shrugged. If Amy said she could build a rocket and go to the moon, he'd believe her. Sounds like a plan, he said. Want to meet at my house to build it? My mom stocked up on Dunkaroos this week. Amy didn't care much for the little graham cookies with frosting dip, but she could tell they were the equivalent to a birthday cake for Mike, so she pretended to be swayed. Let's do it. That afternoon, the two worked for hours on their diorama. Mikey couldn't believe how legit it was looking. The moss they had glued onto the papier-mâché hills looked like real wild grass, and the gloss gel made the little creek look like real water. Before long, they'd made an impressive scene of hills, bushes, and creeks. Next, they used the army men Mikey's mom had bought to set the stage of the battle. Amy made sure the allies and Axis soldiers were accurately placed on the field to depict the battle the way they were taught in class occasionally referring to their textbook and her personal notes. The last soldier was ceremoniously glued to the hillside, and they celebrated with a few dunkaroos from the pantry. The doorbell rang, and it was Amy's mom, come to pick her up. She started to lift the diorama off the table. Whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? Let's just leave it here, Mikey told her. I'll bring it Friday. No sense moving it around more than we have to, right? Amy looked at him and then down at the diorama. Okay, she said reluctantly. But be careful. Don't let your dog anywhere near it. I won't. Okay, let's practice at lunch tomorrow and Thursday so we have it down. Sounds good. And so it was done. 
But the day before Mikey was supposed to bring the diorama to school, he had the funniest idea ever. What if I glue my Michael Gordon figurine onto the battle scene? He wondered. The thought of seeing Michael leap through the air over the soldiers holding a basketball made him laugh. He could clear at least three of these guys, he thought, positioning the jumping plastic man in a leaping position ahead of the allied soldiers. Without thinking twice about it, he grabbed the glue gun and glued the figure to the board. When the bell rang the next day and Amy walked into history class, she nearly choked on her gum when she saw the diorama on Mikey's desk. Tell me that comes off, she said, storming over to look at it. Mikey's friends, who were laughing about it two seconds ago, were now shriveling back into their seats. It's glued on? Are you insane? Amy shouted. A knot twisted in Mikey's stomach. He looked at the diorama and saw it in a whole new light. She was right. It was ridiculous. Panic hit him. What was he going to do? Let's start with Amy and Mikey, Mr. Dalbert said, looking over his list. Excellent. Looks like you made one of my favorites. Mikey squirmed as they stood in front of the class and delivered their presentation. Most of the class laughed when they saw the basketball figurine leaping over the soldiers, But Amy wasn't amused. She was red in the face she was so mad. Mr. Dalbert looked even more irritated than her, tapping his forehead with his pen as if it was a magic wand trying to make the memory of the presentation disappear. He approached Mikey and Amy after class and handed them their grade. An F. A big, fat fail. Amy got that twitching stink eye that she gets when someone kicks the back of her chair. It looked like her head was about to burst into fiery confetti. <clears throat> I'm looking for uh, Michael Sanders and Amy Pendleton, came a gruff voice in the doorway. They turned to see Ralph, the grumpy school janitor, looking up from a little piece of paper. Mikey gave Amy a confused look before turning back to Ralph. Uh, yeah, right here. Follow me. Ralph said, waving for them to follow. Mikey and Amy followed Ralph, whose huge ring of keys jingled as he walked. Mikey felt the judging eyes of every kid in school as they were led through three packed hallways until they stopped in front of a dumpster in the parking lot. It smelled like old books, half-eaten burritos, and fish. Ralph, what's going on? Amy asked impatiently. Just wait here. I'll be right back, Ralph replied suspiciously before turning and leaving. Mikey and Amy stood facing the dumpster, having no idea what was going on. You ruined everything, Amy said through her teeth. Oh, please, don't be so dramatic. It was just a joke. Besides, that's not what got us the F. It was your sloppy water job. It looked totally fake. My little brother tried to drink that water it looked so real, Amy shot back. You messed up the whole scene just to get a quick laugh. And now, thanks to you, I won't make honor roll this year. Well, there's a first for everything. Mikey suddenly got a weird feeling, like he was levitating off the ground. Amy felt it too. 
She wondered if her head had gotten so hot that it was starting to float away. They both looked down to see the platform they were standing on being lifted into the air by a forklift. They turned and saw Ralph sitting in the forklift behind them. See ya, he said before hitting the gas and shoving the raised platform into the open dumpster. Screaming like banshees, Amy and Mikey tumbled into it. Their cries echoed in the hollow metal dumpster as they fell and fell and fell and fell. How long could they possibly fall? Mikey wondered, bracing himself for what was bound to be an incredibly painful impact. Poof! They landed on a giant pile of shredded paper at the bottom of a dark room. What just happened? Amy asked, still shaky from the fall as she got to her feet. I think Ralph just threw us in the trash, Mikey said, scrambling out of the paper pile. You hear that? Amy said. Mikey went quiet and heard faint singing. It wasn't half bad. A few of the notes were off-key, but otherwise it was a perfectly respectable effort. They followed the melody through the darkness until it brought them outside onto a field. Mossy hills rolled into the distance under dark clouds. A winding creek of water slugged over rocks like hair gel and split the landscape. Plastic men marched up and down the hills, some following a path made of the little shreds of paper Mikey and Amy had landed on moments ago. They saw a man in a basketball jersey singing his heart out next to them. Michael Gordon? Mikey said, beholding his basketball icon. Oh, slamma jamma! He shouted involuntarily. He put his enormous hand over his chest. You bow gave me a heart attack. Is it really you? Mikey asked. Now that he was looking closer, the man's skin looked a little plasticky, all shiny and hard, and his joints squeaked when he moved. Of course it is, said Mr. Gordon. Want me to sign something for you? Do I? (laughs) Mikey frantically felt around for a pen. Amy rolled her eyes and handed him one. Mikey took it and grabbed one of the scraps of paper off the path and handed it to Michael Gordon to sign. After a few scribbles, it was handed back to him. Mikey tucked it away like it was Wonka's golden ticket. Here, let me show you around, Gordon offered. He took them along the paper path through the dreamlike setting. The place was kind of depressing, and not just because of the storm clouds. The plastic people shuffling around and mumbling to themselves looked bummed out. Is it just me, or does this place look like our diorama? Mikey said. It's definitely our diorama, Amy assured him. She looked at Gordon. What is this place? The land of failures, Gordon told her. Amy and Mikey froze. The land of failures? Amy repeated. That's right, Gordon said. Don't get me wrong, I'm flattered by what you did, but you two failed spectacularly with that diorama of yours. So you were sent here, where all failures go. The land of failures. There was a long pause while Amy and Mikey absorbed the news. Do they at least have Dunkaroos here? Mikey asked. Amy shot him a look of shock. What? It's a legitimate question. Gordon shook his head. I'm afraid not. 
Those cookies were a huge success. You won't find none of that here. We do have chookies, though. Mikey grimaced. What are chookies? Cheesy chocolate chip cookies that never really caught on. A little chewy for my taste, but the dumped crowd eats that stuff up. Mikey and Amy looked and saw a group of moping teenagers crying over a bag of the disgusting cookies. Next to them was a field of plastic athletes playing their sports as hard as they could, only to be handed a slip of paper and told to leave the field. What's up with them? Mikey asked, nodding to the field. What, them? Oh, those are just the kids who fail to become the best at their sports or go on to play professionally. And them? Amy pointed to a sad parade of men and women, carrying briefcases and dragging their feet through the shredded paper path. People who have been fired from their jobs, Gordon explained. Then Amy and Mikey noticed a large group of people sitting next to the gel creek, sadly looking into it. Gordon nodded at them. Those are parents whose children have made big mistakes or didn't achieve what they'd envisioned for them. And this... He stopped in front of thousands and thousands of desks, all occupied by glum-looking kids writing papers. This is your stop. Our stop? Mikey questioned. That's right. Those who fail school. You're banished here to write really bad papers for the rest of your days. Mikey looked around. But who grades them? He asked. They grade their own papers, Gordon explained. And they give themselves Fs? Amy said in disbelief. Gordon shrugged. They've been giving themselves Fs ever since they got here. But what are you doing here? Mikey asked. You're the greatest basketball player that ever lived. Gordon shook his head. <sighs> I always wanted to be a good singer when I was a kid. I practiced a lot, probably more than I practiced basketball. But when I went to try out for the school choir, I didn't make the cut. I failed. It shook me, and I didn't sing for years. Then, during one of my NBA championship games, I mustered up the courage and asked if I could sing the national anthem before tip-off. They agreed, but then when I got up to sing, I was so nervous that I squeaked all the high notes. <sighs> I was booed off the court. Oh, yeah, Mikey said. I remember hearing about that. But who cares? You went on to win the championship. And never sang again, Gordon added. That is, until I came here. Now I practice every once in a while, but I'm still as bad as I've ever been. I thought you sounded pretty good, actually, Amy said. Yeah, you're way better than me, Mikey admitted. Gordon's expression changed. He looked at the kids, puzzled, as if discovering something for the first time. You really think so? Totally, Amy said. Believe me, I've heard way worse, and I've been in choir for three years now. Well, slamma-jamma. Thank you, Gordon said, his face breaking into a smile. What are all these pieces of paper? Mikey asked him. Gordon nodded to Mikey's pocket. See for yourself. Mikey pulled out the signed piece of paper and unfolded it. 
On the opposite side of the signature was a line that read, I'm too short. Huh? That doesn't make sense, Mikey thought. Amy picked up another piece of paper from the path and read it out loud. I'm not smart enough? Now they were really confused. They scooped up handfuls of the paper and read through them. I'll never be good enough. If only I had more time. I don't deserve it. If only I'd studied harder. If my parents would have spent more time with me. I'm not funny enough. I'm not strong enough. These sound like a bunch of excuses, Amy said, letting the papers fall through her fingers. These people aren't failures, Mikey realized. They just think they're failures. Amy looked out at their bleak surroundings. These are people who've let failure be the end. I don't belong here. Neither do I, Mikey agreed. Neither do I, Gordon said, puffing out his chest and belting out a long operatic note. Suddenly, the little pieces of paper on the path started to swirl in a breeze. They danced around their feet and floated up into paper clouds above them, clouds that joined together to make one giant wave of paper. Um, I don't think these excuses appreciate our positive attitude, Mikey said, taking a few steps back. The paper wave curled high over them, higher than the plastic moping figures, higher than the hills. Run! Amy yelled, turning and running back down the path. The three of them turned and ran as hard as they could as the paper came crashing over them. The shards of paper poured over them and swept them off their feet, carrying them in a furious current. Faster it flew, blowing them through the diorama landscape, into the dark room and up out of the tunnel until the dumpster burped them out. Mikey, Amy, and Michael Gordon plopped onto their bottoms, scraps of paper fluttering around them, getting caught in their messy hair. Except for Gordon, of course. The papers just stuck to his bald head. Mikey knew just what to do. He jumped to his feet and bolted back to Mr. Dalbert's room. It was all my fault, Mikey confessed, out of breath and bracing himself in the doorway. Mr. Dalbert looked up from the papers he was grading. Most things are, Mr. Sanders. I'm the one who glued Michael Gordon to the diorama. Amy had no idea. Don't give her a bad grade. She doesn't deserve it. Mr. Dalbert slowly took off his reading glasses and looked Mikey over. That wasn't very funny, he said sternly. Mikey teetered his head side to side. It was kind of funny. Mr. Dalbert raised an eyebrow. Totally not funny, Mikey corrected. Mr. Dalbert put his glasses back on and looked back at his papers. I'll give you one more chance, he said. Take the diorama home, fix it, and bring it back tomorrow. Yes, yes, thank you, thank you. You won't be sorry. That's not all. I also want you to bring a one-page paper on the Battle of the Bulge to make up for your mistake. It'll be a page and a half. Eh, maybe just a page. Thank you, Mr. Dalbert. Yeah, yeah, see you tomorrow. Mikey told Amy the amazing news, and they returned the next day with a Michael Gordon-free diorama. 
But just before they started their presentation with the new and improved diorama, the real Michael Gordon walked into the classroom and stopped next to Amy and Mikey, his bald head scraping the ceiling. The class was dumbstruck. Michael Gordon not only helped them with their presentation, but topped it off with a thunderous rendition of the national anthem. When he finished, the class erupted in applause. Michael Gordon felt better in that moment than he had after all of his championship wins combined. Mikey and Amy were feeling pretty good about themselves, too. After class, Mr. Dalbert changed their grade from an F to an A and commended them for their hard work. Amy would make the honor roll after all. Since that day, Mikey has never let failure get in his way. Whenever he failed at something or hit a roadblock, he bounced back and learned from it. He never let excuses keep him from accomplishing great things. And Amy, well, let's just say that ever since that day, she made sure to never leave Mikey alone with their school project. I think it's time for a Rocketeer shout-out. Emma and Alicia Hudson, you guys rock. You're rockin' Rocketeers. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and I love to hear that you're enjoying the show. This story was actually loosely inspired by actual events, When I was, I think, in seventh grade, my history teacher assigned us this diorama project, and I was pretty pumped about it. And I remember me and my friend Scott got together at his house to put it together, and we made this awesome diorama battle scene. But I don't know which of us got the idea. I'm sure it was probably me. But we found a little Michael Jordan figurine and thought it would be hilarious to glue it to this battle scene. And it looked terrible. But we thought it was so funny. We came in and turned it in. And and I don't remember exactly what happened. I just remember my teacher not being thrilled with the results. And I couldn't believe it because I'd spent all this time on the project. And I didn't understand why an NBA player couldn't be in this World War II scene. So, But yeah, so that is where the inspiration came for this story. And I wanted to tell a story about failure because it's something you will all experience in your life. And it's something you've all likely already experienced to some degree because everyone faces challenges. Everyone gets knocked down sometimes, but it's how we handle those challenges that makes us different. Rocketeers bounce back from failure. We learn from mistakes. We understand that any goal worth working towards is going to have its share of setbacks, but we work through them. We don't come up with excuses. We just do our best. Believe in yourself. Be patient with yourself. You're not going to be the greatest at everything overnight. And you're not going to be the greatest at everything, period. So cut yourself some slack. If you don't do so well on a project at school, try to find out what you can do better and work to improve in that area. Whether it's math, writing, science, we all have weaknesses that we struggle with. 
So practice, work hard, and don't give up on yourself. I truly believe that most people who accomplish great things in this world are successful because they want it bad enough and are willing to work hard to achieve it. Our history is full of such people. Walt Disney, the creator of the Disney you've come to love, was fired by a newspaper editor who told him that he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. Or Albert Einstein, because it took him so long to figure out how to speak and read when he was a kid, teachers considered him to be mentally handicapped. He was eventually expelled from school, and yet he went on to become one of the most brilliant minds of our time, the father of modern physics. And Thomas Edison, the inventor of the light bulb, failed thousands of times until he finally got the light bulb to work. Now, there are variations to this story, but for the most part, the way the story goes is that when he was asked by someone why he wouldn't give up, he famously replied, I have not failed. I've only found 10,000 ways that won't work or 1,000 or whatever it is, depending on the source you read. In fact, he has some of my favorite quotes on failure. I'm just going to read a few of them for you. Such as, quote, If we all did the things we are really capable of doing, we would literally astound ourselves. End quote. Love that. And here's another. Genius is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. Accordingly, a genius is often merely a talented person who has done all of his or her homework. End quote. He also said, many of life's failures are experienced by people who did not realize how close they were to success when they gave up. And lastly, I promise this is the last one, the three things that are most essential to achievement are common sense, hard work, and stick-to-itiveness. Stick-to-it, Rocketeers. Work hard, be patient with yourselves. You're better than you think you are. I'm so grateful for you guys and the community you've helped me build and all your support. Thank you so much for listening. This is it for this week's story, so be sure to tune in next Monday for an all-new episode. This is your host, Greg Webb.